We are. Right. We're yeah. doing it. Well, that's nice of you. He even gave you warning. He normally doesn't do that. Yeah. Well, normally I'm trying to get Joel to talk about, you know, sensitive topics, certain <laughs> questions, certain tools, you know. I know. These sorts of things. Joel doesn't usually take the bait. You're correct. It's like this little game we have. It's a trap. <laughs> it's always a trap. Oh, welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. It's better here to talk about shooting. On deck tonight, Joel Park. Hello. The Ned Flanders of Practical Shooting. Thank you very much. And then Mike Pannone, who is the Mike Pannone of firearms training. So kind of speaks for himself. Um, we haven't had Mike on before, have we? No. Yeah. If you guys don't know Mike, he's, uh, well, he's pretty awesome. He's, uh, I, well, I'd say you're one of the few firearms trainers that still evolves. Thanks. That's, still that's learning. Still gonna... working at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of people, a lot of people really like and respect Mike. So th there's a reason for that. But it's it's good to hear Mike. There's so many fun things to talk about. Okay. Joel, what um, do you want to start with? Some serious questions before I get to the spicy stuff. No, I mean go ahead. Whatever you want to talk about. Oh man. Well, I'd I'd love to talk about your like your time in USPSA and. What you think about it. when did you start doing USPSA, Mike? I shot uh, I shot the first match that I ever shot in Marysville, Washington, in 1994 when I was in SF. I was the first. I shot it with a Beretta M9 from the arms room and a freaking nylon Eagle thigh rig. <laughs> Honestly, what did you think you were getting into, and what did you find yourself getting? Like, what did you actually find was the truth? I I kind of I had an idea. Obviously, you're gonna run around and shoot guns. It's kind of like a um, I thought it was more of like a scenario based thing because I just didn't know. And, and at the time that, you know, there wasn't a lot. USPSA was this like kind of, you know, fight club kind of subterranean thing. It wasn't really <laughs> that that big. I went there. Um, I, you know, I found out basically what it was and how it how it structured and the safety requirements, all which were not a problem. And I found out that I wasn't nearly as good as I thought it was. And I got tuned up. So um, and I was like, OK, I, I just I just learned something. And if nothing else, I learned. You ain't as damn good as you thought you were. Um, and I, I, I definitely picked up the difference between between accuracy with no speed and then the, the combination of speed and accuracy for a specified target area for an A zone. Like it was I, until then, everything in my military career was mostly about like bullseye oriented. When, was, and you did you saw the evolution of firearms training inside certain absolutely. parts of the military. And you have well, you're still seeing that, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. How, how much stuff has shifted? Uh, I'll tell you from from my experience, it's it has moved. I, I I mean it can't. It's not 180 degrees because we're still freaking shooting guns, but it is it has moved. It has changed. It's probably 40 to 50 percent different. And I can speak to um, stuff that our mutual friend Matt. I mean, from the at the unit, what what we did in our marksmanship program at the unit was nothing compared to what it is now. It is infinitely better because of guys like you, Ben, and other guys that have come in, pro shooters that have come in and said. Yeah, you're not your your skills do not match your requirements because you're 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 still you're still more and this is I'm not putting words in your mouth but I mean the way that the organization was still bullseye centric and I say this the 700 point aggregate which I friggin despise it's just a concentration <laughs> drill if you can shoot five or ten you know uh, freaking tens on a on a B8 like I, I I just sent it to Matt actually I, I shot like five years ago I used to do a speed bolt draw and fire ten rounds at 25. On a B8 as fast as you can. And I've got, oh, I did one in Connecticut. It was 510. I was shot, I shot a 93 and 510. And I'm like, okay, what else do you want me to do with a B8 target? Well, like what, now what am I doing? Like, what am I really getting out of it? And so the whole, the bullseye centric part of it, to me, 
was a waste of time when you're talking about, truthfully, action shooting. I mean, combative shooting on, on the unit side or sports shooting is different variations of the same thing. So we were leaning hard towards the bullseye side with not unlimited time, but very, very forgiving time versus something that is, I mean, truthfully, combative shooting is hit factor. Okay. So it's like, I, I, I just, it really made sense as I shot more and more USPSA. And so the, and it made sense to all the guys, Joel, you know, Joel, um, and yes. yeah. A mile yes. place guys like that got it and and people started changing and modifying and all that so it's it is it is not the same the, the shooting programs at the at at all the soft levels um are not are, they're infinitely better than they were and it's it that's that's happened because the war made people realize what was really necessary and what was really important in shooting yeah so it was it was closer and faster than guys previously thought basically yeah mm -hmm. yep and it was, a, it was the, the, the key, you know, the whole DVC thing, the whole balance, speed and accuracy. It's a combination. It's not one or the other. It's both in the appropriate mix. And people wanted to lean. People that are slow want to lean towards pure accuracy. They want to shoot 700-point aggregates. People that are fast want to shoot, you know, seven-yard sub-second draws. Okay, now put your hands on the Xs and go standby, go, and let's see what you got. Okay? Right. That kind of This kind of ties into a, a, a new course you, you developed. Well, I mean... And I think it's a pretty interesting gimmick. So I see a lot of dudes, there's a lot of training where uh, you don't really move your feet. And this is for, you know, concealed carry permit holder type stuff. Um, Joel for training group actually went and attended some classes in one of them. Did you even move your feet in a, in a class, Joel? In one of them, no. Yeah. I mean, so that's like an interesting observation you have that it's so much harder to do yeah. everything when you're contorting your body around, you know? Yeah, it's it's nobody nobody stands still in, in a combative environment. And if you're shooting sport, and I, and I keep blending the two because the two are hand and glove. They're just a different application of the same skills. That's all they are. So people get, you know, the whole I'm a I'm a tactical shooter and I'm a what stop it. Just fucking stop. It's you either <laughs> good or you don't shoot good. And we'll just stop there and then have a fucking scotch, okay? Like it's good. But the nobody stands still combatively. Everybody is moving. Nobody stands still unless there's literally no place to go. And in sports shooting, unless you're shooting a classifier where your feet are planted, and to me, this is just my two cents to you, Conchos, a classifier is a separate thing than the rest of the match. The rest, the match, shooting a match is different than shooting a classifier. I look at those, when I go to a match and I go, okay, I'm gonna go shoot the classifier. In my mind, I'm shooting something different. Most people agree with you on that, and yep. they end up making themselves right, is what I would say. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just, I just, I look at it as a different, because it's usually, it's usually relatively short. There's very little movement, if any, it's very specific. I know exactly what to expect. I don't have to memorize anything. There's no, there's not a lot of movement in setup. I just look at it. Not that it's, not that it's a huge, holy shit, I'm doing the vocal yeah. but I just look at it as something a little bit different. And I look at it as it's much more simple. At times it can be more difficult at times it's not, but it's much more simple than shooting a stage, especially a good field course. Because then there's a lot of different things that you have to do. It's not like, okay, I look, I know exactly what I have to do. I rehearse these 12 rounds in my mind and shoot them. And it's not quite as simple when you've got a, you know, a 28-round field course. Yeah. I mean, they, they say it's just a measurement of your shooting ability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something, which, I guess, pure shooting. No, no uh, well, much less memorization and no decision-making, right? Agree. Yeah. All right. Um, so did you take – I mean – I'm going to guess you took a little break from USPSA in the nineties or the late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I was doing, you know, I was other doing things. Yeah. Stuff like that, and then 
I got, I ate that breaching charge and I medically retired. And then I went back at it. I actually shot steel challenge in 2000. Um, and I, I tried to get back into it, which is another, another, you know, learning moment. I shoot in San Diego and I tell a story like every class, just because I want people to just nut up and go shoot. I stepped on a stage and I got my ass kicked by a dude that came off oxygen to shoot it and a chick and a dog bra and a pair of boy shorts. And like, okay, that just happened. And I, I went up to both of them, shook their hands, said, Hey, you freaking wore me out. I'll be back, but good on you. And it's like that, that to me is that that's, that's, that's the discriminator. And then work got in the way and then, you know, freaking family stuff and having kids and getting divorced and freaking all that fun shit that goes on in life. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I, that I appreciate and enjoy. And I, I don't have anything scheduled, um, pretty much during the summer. Cause I, I don't like, um, I don't like training when it's hotter than the hinges of hell. So I'll be, I'll be at the range shooting matches on the weekends for sure. I, I definitely want to get back into it. And I've been so close. I've been in the nineties and three divisions, but I've never made it over the top. I've been, I was 94 point something and just didn't make it over the top and then shot like an 88 that dropped a hundred. So it's like the way the system works. <laughs> yes. I kicked in the junk. I was, I was so close. Nah, you're, you're a 91 again, pal. Enjoy yourself. And you're going to have to drop, you know, you're going to have to drop a freaking, a hundred, a hundred and a 97 in order to get back around to it. So I was like, ah. which is another bitch that I have about the system. But anyway, <laughs> well, this is going pretty well so far. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what, what would you say your favorite thing about USPSA is I'm kind of guessing the scoring system. I, absolutely. It's the scoring system. And from, from my experience on the, on the military side and overseas, it, truly is the only way that you are going to get to exercise the high performance marksmanship skills that you will need in a completely different environment. Okay. You can do it without, you can do it without threat of being injured. <laughs> oh, I mean, unless you're a complete geek, which some people are, but, um, you can do that and make mistakes like, okay, that was a bad idea. Okay. That was a bad setup. Okay. I dropped a shot there, whatever you there, there's a, there's area for you to make mistakes. And that's why I tell coppers that all the time. Get out there and shoot at a high rate of speed. Get to the fringe of control of your, your, your capacities mentally, visually, and weapons handling and see what happens. In an environment, what's, what's the worst thing that happens? Really, you get DQ'd. Okay, got it. You get a little spanking and you go home and you come back next week. But you get to learn something that you can only learn moving at that rate of speed with the level of precision that a good stage has. Not some bullshit hoserama stuff. Like a real stage that, they, that you know somebody sets up. So... <laughs> You know, a bank of four targets at three. Oh, my God. PSA to me. <laughs> Could not agree more. This is going so well. This, uh -huh. this interview is what they call a beauty so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, speaking of uh, issues with USPSA, we've discussed previously, you know, you know, it's not all it's not all uh, sun, sunshine and moonbeams, is it? No. There's no. some there's some clouds. Uh, what do you what do you dislike about USPSA? I'm so curious. Okay, couple things. Um, should, should I start big or small? Okay, I'll start, <laughs> you do you. I'll start small. I'll start small. You'll appreciate it. Shooting a DASA gun. Okay, why in the actual fuck do you lower a hammer all the way onto the firing pin when there's a half cock notch intended to stop you from lowering the hammer onto a firing pin? But wait for it. If you have a decocker, you can lower it to the half cock notch. Why is that? Why would you actually force someone to decock a gun all the way down so it's resting on the firing pin when there's a half cock notch, which would replicate a decocked gun? Like I'm, I'm talking, I was shooting shadows. 
So it's like, why am I, when I have a decocker, why does it go to the half cock notch? It's just, it was arbitrary, stupid shit like that that annoyed me. But, you know, all the FUDs up there in the legacy division shooting single stack 1911s. <laughs> okay. Now, the other side of it is no, nobody, not me, not any freaking swinging Richie out there should be a GM if you don't win a major match. You go to master class, hey, everybody, that's great. But if you're not winning, if you're not competing and winning majors, you should not be a GM. I straight up say that. There's no, because that's not, because you're not a fucking GM. Okay. I mean, I'll push for it because that's the way the game is played now. But if I'm not winning the sectionals and shit like that, and I'm not top whatever in the in the nationals, like you could say, okay, if you shoot the nationals in your top 10, you you get waved in, whatever. We could we could talk about that. But I do not believe you should be a GM on on classifiers alone. I just don't, I don't I don't agree with it. I don't think it's a I don't think it demonstrates a grandmaster level of skill. It doesn't. Well, it's a hell of a point of view. I like those. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a GM card's not what it used to be, is it? I also think you you should not be able to shoot you should not, you shouldn't be able to shoot a classifier more than once. Oh my gun malfunctions. Sucks to be you. Oh, I'm one of my patches like sucks to be you. Like, hey dude, like step up, shoot it. If it works out, big thumb. If it doesn't, big thumb. Just fucking I mean, I don't I don't shoot. I've had I've had shit happen and I just freaking clear my gun. Okay, unload your safe, slide board hammer down holster, holster that bitch and walk off the line. I'm not going back there to pay for another chance at the fucking, to get on the ferry. No, I think that's, <laughs> I've watched people shoot classifiers five, six, seven times, shoot a 26, a 51, an 18, hundo, taking it. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, come on, man. That's like, if you can live with yourself, great. But you, it just, it's, it fucks up the numbers because you got people shooting with their hair on fire five times. They blow it out their ass four times and then they get a fucking world-class, you know, score and then that goes in the database and i'm like wait a minute and then you see those people on on the range and you shoot against them and you're like you're you're not uh you're not you're not good no you're not but you got a nice gun but anyway if i'm too opinionated just let me know no there'd no be you're some, fine we don't do reshooting at my club for five bucks but if they did there would be some bullying for sure oh yeah there should be some some fucking shaming some freaking classifier shaming yes uh, anything else you'd want to see fixed or changed in USPSA? I'm enjoying this. Mm. Well, we've, talked about the, we've talked about the culture in USPSA. It's, they, they like, I don't, I think that they're just, they're just a bunch of dudes that, that run it. You know, I mean, I like, I like the sport. I like all that. I just, I, I don't think that it has grown with the evolution of the sport. I do not believe that it has. And so it's like the, 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 the way shooting has changed, um, I mean, it took forever for them to get the PCC side into it. It took, I mean, it took them forever to get carry optics into it. it it's, it's very unresponsive and it, they don't listen to, it doesn't appear. They don't listen to anybody but themselves. And so I'm like little things that, that you do that are arbitrary. Do you remember the, um, you couldn't put a magazine with 11 rounds in the gun and load it because oh, that, I do. Remember yeah, that I do. Stupid shit? Are you fucking serious? Like, are you real? Like, honestly, are you fucking serious? Okay. I can put, I can put 10 and load it, pull it out, put another one in and put it in the gun, but I can't put 11, but the, but the buzzer hasn't gone off yet. The, the timer hasn't gone off yet. So did the stage start? D did it start when you said load, make ready? Or does it start when the timer goes off? Like it was just, it was stupid things like that, that somebody couldn't stop and go, wait, fucking timeout. Like, this is dumb. This is just dumb. When the buzzer goes off, you can only have one in the chamber 
and 10 in the magazine if you're shooting production or L10. But no, it had to be this big dick dance about, oh, well, you know, it's, there's 11 in the mag. And like, well, that's that's kind of old, but that was dumb. And then that was indicative. That was something. There's a pattern oh, of that. There's well, they they haven't changed since. You look at popper calibration. Everyone says, "Hey, this procedure's dumb," and they look at it like, "Okay, we'll fix it." And look what they did. Yeah, yeah. It's it just it it it's it seems like decisions are either like arbitrarily made or foolishly made. And I'm like. You, there's a ton of experience out there. You could ask for people put in recommendations. And I know there's guys out there like you guys who go, hey, why don't you do it this way? You know the game and the rules inside and out and say, listen, this would be a reasonable way to do it. But I, I just don't see that. And that's why it's a great freaking sport. It's the safest high performance shooting sport in the history of the world. Why not maximize it? Why not, you know, like, and it just seems like it's very unresponsive to ideas. That, that's what I see. I think it's my biggest, my biggest complaint. If anything, it seems like I've really narrowed. You know, in terms of the scope of it, mm -hmm. instead of having a bunch of really interesting different divisions, that it's kind of uh, the stages have gotten easier, a little more homogenous. I don't know if you've seen that where you are, but I'd say it's generally speaking, it's easier than it used to be, uh, especially since the guns have gotten better and the shooting hasn't gotten harder. So yeah. the shooting's gotten easier in most cases. I've seen I've seen a, a couple matches that I shot up at um, Rio Salada when I was shooting a lot. I was shooting every weekend and. Um, I saw people complaining because the, because the people were like, oh man, that's an unrealistic marksmanship challenge. Cause they got to shoot. There's a no shoot and all that's showing is the head. And they're like, oh, I, I, you know, that that's, that's an unrealistic marksmanship challenge at 15 yards. People actually complain about it. I'm like that marksmanship's kind of what we're here for, isn't it? Well, a head, a head box at 15 yards isn't, isn't an unreasonable ask. I, yeah. I, would say. I didn't think so. So yeah, it's, I think that, I think that it's, there's there's a lot of people out there that don't do it for the love of the sport. They don't really they they, they do it because it's cool or something. And I see them out there. But and they, there's a big difference. There's a lot of people who I I term them participants. You like that word? Yeah, yeah. It's like the goal is participation, which I don't have a problem with. I think that's fine. Yeah, but don't complain about the process. <laughs> you know, yeah. just participating, just participate and drink Gatorade. Cool. Yeah, nobody nobody has a problem with that. But they. Yes, there are people that get quite huffy about weird shit when they're just participants anyway. It's just, it's very strange. Mm -hmm. Joel, I'm sure you have some comments. Uh, well, I actually have a, a follow-up question. How do you feel about the officiating? Oh, shit. God. Let's fucking go. Let's talk about 2017 production nationals, Mike. Yeah. That's what that's, I want to talk about. Major one that, uh, major match that I went to, and a guy got DQ'd, complete bullshit, and the RO just was like, Hey man, I'm DQing you. Everybody stood there and said that that he didn't break the 180. He didn't do anything else. Nope, fought it the whole time. Guys that I know from from Rio, from Rio Salado, left. Okay, I shot I, a match out in California, um, out at Prado, and uh, it was a, it was like a it was it was a, some legacy match or something. It was a it was a reasonable match. It wasn't a bullshit match. It was a good one. Um, the guy who was ROing me, and I have it on video, DQ'd me for breaking the 180, and I have on video me not breaking the 180, and. When I went and you know freaking um, uh, contested it, his homie was the which match director. So how do you think how do you figure that went? So I was beating his buddy, and then magically I got DQ'd. And everybody's like, "What was that about?" And so I'm like, "There's there's a lot of there's a lot of shit like that. Like the 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 ROs um, the ROs that are good are real good. There's a lot of really really good ones out there. Yes. The ones that aren't get away with shit. You're like, that's not you know that, it's not even reasonable, and they're 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 dicks about it." And I'm like, man, some dude snapping at me like, hey, you better do this. I was like, 
I'm not your fucking boy. All right. So don't talk to me like I am. I just it annoys me because they take their position to mean that they can speak to people any way they want. And you don't right. have to do that. Like, that doesn't work for me, guy. Just saying. Like, I'll DQ you. Ooh, I'm going to get DQ'd. Wow. What's What's amazing to me is the lack of, I don't know, awareness. So that the, the, the Nationals incident we were just talking about where you witnessed one DQ. Yeah. I got to that stage on the third day, so the last day of the match, and I watched Doug Caney get DQ'd. And it was the same thing. Complete bullshit. Yep. Like, I had heard about this stage. I'd heard rumors of it. You know, that, you know, 20 some people have been DQ'd and all this. And I, when I saw that DQ happen, I was like, this is bullshit just based on the reaction of the RO and the RO that called it and the positioning. And what I saw is like, this is complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know, I know a guy that also left USPSA over getting DQ'd on that stage in similar fashion. What was amazing to me was that all these people, like you witnessed one fight, I personally witnessed one fight. But these guys were fighting the whole match. So Troy goes over there time after time after time after time. When people are getting DQ'd, here's the same story every time about mm-hmm. how it's bullshit. And it, like, it, never, it never penetrates. It literally didn't matter what anyone said to him. Nope. No. When he came over, he, he would, he, it was a formality. I'm going to come over here because I have to come over here. I'm going to listen because I have to listen. And then I'm going to walk away and you're DQ'd anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when they had an RO, what, what happened is they had an RO that shouldn't be an RO and probably shouldn't be in the sport based on what he was doing. No, he, I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, he was in jeopardy as a person <laughs> because there were some people not happy with him. I mean, he just, because he, he expend the guy that he <laughs> from fucking Canada, bro. He was from Canada. He came from Canada, got DQ'd on a bullshit DQ call. And then just, Hey, sucks to be you. Think about what that cost. I mean, you travel internationally. All that to come down from Canada with your guns and have, have ammo down here and all that. And then some on a bullshit call that you already DQ'd like 20 people on and nobody does anything about it. Like, uh, that wasn't, you know, that, that I thought that I thought that was it was it was pretty it it reflected really poorly on that on that national. Well, you went back to nationals after that, didn't you? No, I haven't been back. I haven't oh, been back. shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. man. Oh, fuck. Shit. Like, who, yeah. who saw that coming? Crazy. Like. I will be this year, but, um, but it's like, yeah, I just, it, 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 it was, it definitely left a bad taste in my mouth because there was nothing, everyone on the entire stage stood there and was like, that's not, that's not, they, he didn't break the one he did. And he's like, no, I thought he did. And he was way the fuck over here. He wasn't even like right there. I'm like, yeah, that was exactly what I witnessed. Yeah. I'm like, you got some crazy vision, bro. Just saying like, <laughs> yes, especially the t- time, the RO holding the timer who was in a much better t- position to make that call had mm-hmm. no reaction, either yeah. verbal or nonverbal to, to the DQ that I witnessed. Like you, the gun would have been pointing at him, you know, yeah. if it was a DQ, but and he didn't, he said, didn't right? react. That, that's what everybody said. Well, why didn't the timer say anything? It's yeah. like mumble, mumble, like yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. That stuff hurts the sport. People that really quit, you know, well, that makes a lot of people not want to RO, I think. Yeah. The hell? Oh, did you turn off your video? No, I, I didn't. I got. Let me see if I can get that back. Hold on. Jeez. There we go. Ah, oh, there we go. I'm back. Looking good. Somebody called. But uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, it just was like that kind of stuff. And then you know you see people out there like I just want to shoot. I like shooting. It's fun. It's legitimately fun. There's nothing. There's no ulterior motive. There's no you know. Yeah, I want to excel. I don't want to. I don't want to do something and not be good at it. That's just kind of like, that's in some people and not in others, I guess. But it's like, but I, I, 
when you take the fun out of it by making it arbitrary and making it unfair, it's like, why am I going to show up? Why, why are people going to show up when they see that? There's some people that that was their first nationals and they're like, that's bullshit. I just spent a shitload of money and I'm like blade running over here. Believe me, I wasn't even affected by that, by that situation directly. Yeah. But I started asking myself questions just like that. Like, why am I showing up for this? <laughs> After a couple of years to ask those questions, it's like, yeah, I'm not showing up for this anymore. Like, fuck these people. You like, know, what, straight what, up, fuck these guys. Uh, Max Leo Grandis runs yeah. that, that league out there in uh, Utah. And I went out and shot their two gun. It's fucking awesome. It was, it was run by grownups. Imagine that. It's like, hey, where's the safe area? <laughs> just face the berm and don't do stupid shit with your gun. I'm like, I understand that. If you do stupid shit with your guns, it just remove you. But it's not like it's pretty obvious. If you face the berm, you can you can handle your your firearms. It wasn't it, there wasn't a bunch of little bullshit protocol. Like I think you're too stupid to do this correctly, but you can still have a gun here. Like it was all run. The stages were good. They were you know the, the scoring was reasonable. That they were there were legitimate marksmanship challenges. I looked at that and said, wow, that's that's like. I mean, it's, it, that was that was a two-gun thing, but still, you just take it to, to pistol only or to, you know, PCC only. It was really well done. It was fun. Like, I went through, I was like, I had a freaking blast. I could have shot like that for four days. I've been happy. Well, a lot of people like what he's doing. It, but, yeah, I think you have to, you nailed it. It's not run by children, yeah. which uh, USBSA most certainly is, you know, and it does. It definitely shows. Oh, man, Joel, you made a face. <laughs> nope, I show no reaction to what you say because then you just double down and lean into it harder. That's true. That's true. We get going on some crazy shit. All right. Well, you should ask Mike uh, another question, Mr. Joel. Um, let's see. I want to talk about. Well, here's one that really, uh, really creates some controversy on the interwebs. How do you feel about occluding the dot? I realize your your vision situation is a little bit different, but how do you feel about the well, well, for those who aren't familiar, Mike had an incident with a breaching charge, which left him, you know, with one with one working eye. For those listeners not aware of that situation, uh, yeah. So this one's this one's made out of Lexan. Um, so dishwasher safe. Just saying, but uh, yeah, the occluded. I, I I know historically, legacy wise, arms and OEG, the occluded eye gun sight. That's what they used on on rifles on the Sante prison raid in 1970. So this shit's not new. Um, the idea that it's superimposed that you look at the dot, I understand it. Um, for me, I up until about three days ago, I was like, I understood it. And I thought like, wow, it seems it seems like a, a great idea. I had done it before. I'd shot OAGs. I'd shot aim points with the caps down with guys before um, years ago. And I grabbed uh, Brandon, a buddy of mine down at TTPOA, Brandon Hernandez. I grabbed his pistol and he had his dot occluded. I'm like, let me see if I can fucking make this thing work. And the, the epiphany that I got out of it was it was genuinely an epiphany. I drove the gun out, and so with one eye, I'm either looking through the tube or I'm looking at the target, but that's not actually true. I can put the dot in the top of the window on the SRO, so it's curved like this. The dot's right up at the top, and I and I look at the target, and in my periphery, I can still see the dot. And what I realized when I did that was all this friggin' mumbo-jumbo about target focus is fucking for real because I can't look at the target and look at the dot. I had to look at the target. If I looked at the dot, my focal length changed and the, and the target disappeared, basically. So I was looking at the target and then the bottom, just in the bottom of my periphery, I could see the dot. And I did not. I, I, I posted a thing on video. That was the second time I, I fired three rounds and I was like, Brandon, film this. So I had an occluded dot with one eye and it still worked. OK, and it's because you don't really realize what target focus means and looks like until you see it. You think you are, but you're not. 
And so I, it was, I think it's a, I think it's a great strategy. I know that a couple of guys that I know their coppers leave their stuff occluded because of sun, the sun hits it and they're like, they're, they're dot washed out or whatever. Like, Hey man, I shoot, I shoot good, even with it occluded. And you know, Hey man, it's like, if I'm outside in the sunshine, I don't want to lose my dot when I really need my dot. I've got two eyes. It still works fine. So it's, there's definitely, um, it's kind of a back to the future thing, but I think a lot of people don't understand it and they look at it as like, Oh, it limits your vision. It's like, you can see as much as I can see on any given day with an occluded dot. Actually, you can see more. So it's not. I think it's. I think it's a great training strategy. And and from my perspective, having just really experienced it, I realized that I didn't know what target focus looked like. I didn't. I I understood the concept, but I didn't know what it looked like until I actually legitimately target focused. And I was like, oh shit. So I mean, so one thing that we've been adding in to try this, and I, I started doing this in my life fundamentals classes and the advanced classes actually so i started using black pasters so you stick a black paster where on the target where someone's supposed to drive the vision and what i've noticed is that when you stick the pasters on there across groups of people like you got 12 dudes like on average you see the accuracy go way way up and the speed not change what joe we had to joe and i had a 24 person class over the weekend what did you what were your observations joel based on what we did and then what, um, you know, what you observed in that group based just the accuracy. Same deal. I mean, you talk to people about like a coin size target on the or coin, coin size aiming area on the target. You're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But putting the paster, yeah. And then you could like speak to people, hey, the paster should be clear and in focus. Your dot mm -hmm. or your uh, iron sight should be blurry. And there's a lot of light bulbs that came on. Actually, I didn't know if we we're doing topics or not. Actually, I had, my topic for today was going to be a Sharpie and uh, electrical tape. Oh, yes. Yeah. People start staring at their sights so much. And so then they just like, then the target is brown anyway. So it's easy for it to get blurry for people. So, like for fibers, we either take a Sharpie and just stripe like the top of the, of the fiber to make it duller or use electrical tape around the front of the optic. And then all of a sudden, like people are stuck staring at the target. Yeah, the paster should be sharp and in focus. And your dot or the iron sight should be blurry. Yeah. It's a good training tool for making people do that anyway. But I agree with you, Ben. The accuracy goes way up. Yeah, I was just mentioned that with the with the pasters because I was doing that because of my my peculiar freaking visual you know uh, issue. I was actually putting um, what do you call it uh, yellow post its, little three inch yellow post its on targets to force give me something specific to look at, and mm -hmm. then I just scaled them down and ended up where you guys are now. But it's I do that as well in classes to get people give them something distinct to look at, something specific to stare at. Um, and then when, when they pull it away, see if they can replicate the same speed and accuracy. So it's like, but it's, it, it's still a difficult, I, I, I think that the target focus piece, just actually experiencing it for the first time with one eye in a, in a quirky way, they have to, they have to have an occluded sight. They, if they never shoot an occluded sight again, at least they know what true target focus looks like. They recognize, cause I thought I knew what it was. I understood the theory when I saw it out in Texas last weekend or last week, I, I, I understood it. All of a sudden it was completely different and now when i'm when i'm shooting i was out today um messing around with it with a, uh, a gun um it was the whole picking a distinct not like centers like there's there's two pasties that are side by side and there's one with the corner that's up it's that distinct i'm looking exactly at that and it made all the difference it made all the difference and then the dots just kind of a it's just dancing around there bouncing and out but until they see it you know they don't really understand it i guarantee you i mean i, I didn't and i thought i did 
So the people that res are resistant against the occluded sites are just not, they're, they're not open to new things and new, and, and new techniques. They're just like, the way I do it is the way I do it. Cause that's the way I do it. Like, fuck, whatever. Yeah. We've been, I, well, I've been trolling on Instagram a little bit because some instructors are like, they don't like it. And, uh, they don't have data on that with the occluded sites and this kind of like uh, horse shit answers. It's well, you know, it's, it's not a doctoral thesis. Just go fucking shoot it. Like <laughs> that's what I try to, <laughs> that's when people come up to me in class. Like this is serious. I'm like, you should uh, occlude this, cover the front of this. This is going to help you get target focused. They, then they want to come over and have a theoretical discussion about what I does. I was like, bro, just try it yeah. and you'll see. You know, and then, yeah. And then they try it. They're like, Oh, I get it. Like, that's the, that's the, the, the resistance to it. I mean, like I'll fucking, I'll try anything damn near once. And it's like, yeah. I'll give it a whirl. It's like, and, and now, now that, that, that my little, my little foray into occlusion, I'm going to set up a gun just like that. And I'm going to see how much I can refine it. Even with one eye, I'm going to see how much I can shoot with an occluded dot. I'll shoot a match with it. I got what I have to see now is because the dot, I have to have target above the dot. I'm going to have to figure out an offset or something like that, but I'll figure it out. There's a way around it, but it's, there's a, there's a training value in doing things differently. If you're not a rigid thinker, if you're, if your goal is to be better, then you'll listen to damn near anything and go, Hey, I'll fucking try it. Hey, it obviously works for some good dudes that shoot pretty damn good. Maybe I should, you know, not, not be the smartest guy in the room and actually just listen a little bit. And it's, it's the theory side of it is, is like in, in shooting, it's pretty simple shit. It's really pretty fucking simple shit. And people get caught up in the, you know, and the, the, the myelination and the, all that freaking yeah, neuroplastic. Yeah. I'm like, tell me about proprioception and all that stuff, please. Yeah, just, dude, there's a couple of <laughs> things that are simple, like <laughs> ranges of motion for strength and dexterity. I mean, the, the three strength, dexterity, visual acuity, power control and vision. That's how you want to manage your body. Got it. I was watching you, you, you posted something about shooting on the move. Yeah. And one of the things that, that, it's something that was nice to see is I'll, I'll turn on the move. I'll turn a foot towards the target, which opens up my pelvis, which takes the tension out of my torso. But at a certain point I've overshot that target, which was in your video as well. Yeah. Like I'm going to either, I got to get on that target hard on my way in, or I'm going to have to post up and shoot it because as soon as I get at 90 degrees, I'm already at a, I'm already at a position. I'm going to tense my body up and I'm going to be dragging my gun off the target. It's like, when I tell people, just turn your foot, you're trying to open your pelvis up towards the target, you want your pelvis in your shoulders, they're like, you're talking walking sideways? And like, <laughs> try. Like you said. And, that, and then, the, then they'll say like, wait, should I shoot between footsteps? And you're like, oh. fuck me, dude. Yeah. That's, you <laughs> Don't know, make it too complicated. <laughs> that shit was taught for years. And what I saw is people would try and time, they're like, they try and time their shots to their foot. It's like, like they're, they're, they're shooting when their foot, is off the ground or touching the ground, not when their sights are on the target. I'm like, I don't care what the fuck you do with your feet. I don't care. If you could levitate, do that. Shit, I don't care. But like, if you're timing your shots to your footsteps, you're already wrong. You're already, your focus is already backwards. And it's like, that shit's been, that shit's still taught all over the country in a lot of uh, martial organizations. They'll still, they'll still teach them to time your shots with your footsteps and all that. I'm like, that kind of, that went out with like the weaver grip and shit, I think. Like, <laughs> I can't, I, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. And, you know, yeah, that's my main problem with it. Some people <laughs> might not it. realize like the carpet bomb that Mike just dropped about like learning new information. I mean, like real talk, like you're a big name in training. You've been doing it for a while and that you're still open to new ideas. Ooh. That's uh that says a lot. Like from my opinion, in my book anyway. 
I appreciate you could just trick. You could just uh, market yourself based on your reputation and experience. And you know what? I've got a bullshit said, product. I'm glad you said that. Cause you know what? Like I did some cool shit in a different life. It was pretty, pretty exciting. I, I'm not, I'm proud of it, but that's not what I'm selling. What I'm, what I'm trying to present is things that things that I learned from people across the full spectrum of my shooting and my experience that, that will make a difference in your shooting. Okay. I want to, I want to, I want to try and use that experience to present something. I'm not selling a fucking war story or a, there I was no shit or anything. To me, it's like, that's, that's, you're selling who you used to be, but who are you right now? What are you doing right now? And it's, it's I, a lot of guys, a lot of guys do that. Um, because that's what they have to sell because they don't want to spend the time and the money. Cause as we all know, shooting is not an inexpensive sport if you really do it. And so you got to invest time and money and a lot of both to do it. And it's like, if not, then, then sell, then sell some shit that you, you know, tell drinking beers and eating wings at Chili's or some shit. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I just, I don't even, I don't even talk unless mm -hmm. people ask me in a class, I'll say, if you're here, you probably know who I am and that's it. I'll just say, Hey, I'm Kayla's dad. That's it. Like, I don't like, if if you're a cool guy and you can't shoot, you're the, then what does that mean? And if you can shoot really good, then you're already a cool guy. Like, like hey, you were here to shoot and you shoot good. <laughs> you're a cool guy. Like I, I, they're not they're not tied together to me. And so it's like when I see that, I see and then and then dirtied up with all the tactical shit and the scan and assess and the follow them to the ground and all that gibberish. I'm like, I just it tells me right off the bat that someone is trying to sell experiences that they don't have. It's, you know, all that break tunnel vision and all that stuff. When you start blending this, this is already jumping off into the, I haven't even started drinking yet. Um, <laughs> blended into the tactical side. It's like, stop selling, stop selling fucking smoking magic beans. Just shoot really good. Trust me from, from my little slice of the universe. If you shoot really good, anything, any problems that you have to solve with that, that include a gun, whether it's matches or freaking actually fighting with a gun, you'll do really good at it. Like the rest of the mindset shit, like if, if there's no, if there's not an underpinning of really solid skills, you can mindset your ass into a fucking coffin, dude. Like it ain't <laughs> like not, that's not going to work for you. Like, sorry. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Matt Pranka calls it range theatrics, but I always loved like ground fight where like you fall to the ground and you have one arm working and now you have to like put the gun between your shoes and reload it and then rack it off your belt buckle or something. And these are like people with, like, I don't talk crazy, but like with no time limit, couldn't hit an A zone at like yeah. 15 yards. And then now you're going to try to teach them like how to fight off the ground or something. It's like, well, what? it's, it's selling people what they think they want versus what they need. So here's a good example. In my little slice of the universe, Mike will have a, you know, a competition shooting class. So there'll be guys who are C class, you know, not able to really hit an A zone consistently at 20 yards, given no time limit. Um, you know, just like they're not super trained gun, like gun manipulation skills, not very great shooters, like just, you know, a C-class guy. But what they want to talk about is stage strategy. You know, they want to talk about, uh, <laughs> do I shoot this target rolling in or rolling out and this type of thing. When they haven't put much effort into, you know, mastering shooting the target in the first place. And yeah. you know what I mean? It's what they need versus what they, you know, what they think they want or what they, you know. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, and, 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 you know, to our freaking homie, Matt credit here. I mean, Instagram has been ruining shooting one video at a time for like five years now. Like, <laughs> cause everybody wants to, everybody wants to run around with their hair on fire and freaking blaze targets and shoot movers and freaking poppers and all. It's like, like you said, man, you gotta just, you have to be able to stand still and draw and hit an A zone. Let's, let's just say, let's just say like a 
baseline. If you can't draw a pistol at 10 yards and hit an A zone in 1.5 seconds every fucking time, hungover, tired, jet, whatever, if you can't just do that, and that's not even hard. If you can't just do that, then, then, then stop all the other stuff. Like stop, stop all the other stuff because you don't have a foundational skill that supports you running around and shooting. And you're just going to squirt bullets all over whatever range you're at. And um, I don't know, like, I mean, it probably saves you targets because you're not hitting them as much, but I mean, shit. <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's, it's the unsexy part of shooting that people don't want to do. That's people what like the sexy stuff though. There's, well, there's one, I, he's not an Instagram instructor, but he's got an Instagram account. He's a really good USBSA instructor. And I saw him, Post like the craziest shit on Instagram. This was a long time ago about, you know, hey, the key on this stage is the ability to shoot while moving. And he's slow walking, shooting through a port with an open gun and hammering down like a 12 to 15 yard plate rack. It was incredibly impressive shooting. But posting that up on the Internet, he's saying like, hey, this is really the key to this stage right here, shooting this plate rack moving. It's like, well, no shit. Like, imagine <laughs> having the ability to shoot a plate rack while you walk under pressure at speed yeah. yeah if you just like you know the, the key to shooting is you know going fast and getting a lot of points like that's super fucking oh. useful for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's how you win this stage you have a great stage plan and you shoot faster than everybody else oh thanks i'm set now <laughs> it's it's a beauty it's it's great stuff all right joel uh you got a one to ten scale you got to rate this podcast for spiciness uh this Mike's been saying more spicy things than people are going to realize. Yeah. But like hammering no, This is definitely like, designed to antagonize. That's for sure. Well, it's factual statements, yeah. though, like being real with you. Uh, That's the best antagonism there ever is. Well, I mean, Ben, we've had a lot of conversations. I'm very critical of instruction and that profession as a whole. So, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of people selling bullshit. Yeah, it's, a lot of people don't know exactly what they're what they're trying. Like they, they don't they don't get into the details of it. They, they, they absolutely don't. And it's like, just, just shooting, uh, just shooting like one of the components, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that you see out there is like draw and fire two headshots in 1.9 seconds. It's on like uh, Donovan standards and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, did it. I'm like, okay, I got 1.9 seconds. Now let's add a turn. Let's add 90 degrees. Let's take away your body alignment and see what, how that affects your time. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Hmm, now I'm shooting it under that. And with a 90 degree turn. So now that begs the question for me, like how much movement can be masked in your draw? Like, so if I have to do, and when I turn 90 degrees and shoot two heads and when I face a target and shoot two heads, what's the difference in time? And it's like, for me, it's like 0 0.05. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because now I'm turning and moving. The difference is when I first started, it wasn't 0 0.05 because I wasn't getting a good proper body alignment. I wasn't turning square to the target. So when I drove the gun, I was just waiting for me to press the trigger. And so I, I dug into it a little deeper to go, okay, what components can I work on? And it's a lot of guys don't want to do that. They don't like, they're not that interested. It interests me. I geek out on that shit. I'm like, hey, snapping my head to the target. What does that gain me? How much time? Because it makes a difference. It made 0.1 to 0.2 of a second difference, depending on the, on the shot availability. So I'm like, I start keeping data on, I'm like, hmm. So now that's a point of emphasis when I teach, like drive your vision to the target and let your body fill in underneath it. You got to get your vision on the target as quickly as you can. And then your body will fill in underneath it naturally because that's what it wants to do. It doesn't want to walk with your head turned to the side. So it's like the little stuff is, is the big stuff. And then the rest of the, you know, all the flamboyant shit that like, it, it, it's a waste of training time to me. It just is. I love it. Uh, Mike, forgive me for not knowing. Do you what? do patches standards any little knickknacks or stuff like that 
I don't, <clears throat> I don't do any, um, I, I, I call it badges, patches, coins, or secret underwear. I don't do any <laughs> that. Um, people that come to class and train with me, they get, they get an actual patch, which has a little story behind it, but I have a, um, they call it a marksmanship evaluation course. It's 50 rounds. It's, um, it's broken down into, uh, accuracy, like your traditional, like marksman sharpshooter expert, and then level, uh, level three, level two, level one for speed. And so like a, a couple things, um, I came up with it, um, based on some of the air marshal stuff. And then I, I tossed that out cause I, I thought it was really, really easy. It used to be really hard back in the day when people sucked pretty bad at shooting. And now that the, the, the world has ramped up, but like, here's a couple stages. Um, the first one is called little bill. Um, it's four rounds instead of six, but it's like a bill drill, but it's off a 90 degree turn. And so 90 degrees, four shots, two ten or less is level one speed. Okay. Um, and you do it in both directions. So everything you do, you have to turn to the right and you have to turn to the left. All right. I like that. Okay. The second one is a single headshot in 1.5 and everything's USPSA minor. So your single headshot, if you hit the A box, that's five. If you hit, you know, hit anywhere on the, on the head, but not in the A box, that's three. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to add, and I'm going to put a piece of notebook paper below it, which is a no shoot. So now you either get five points, you get three points, or you get a miss or a mic no shoot. So it put some jeopardy in it, but that's 1.5 second headshots at 10. Everything I do is at 10. I don't shoot under 10 yards in any of my training and anything, nothing. Um, the next one is just, it's, it's three slide lock reload while taking a knee three and they're on two different targets. So I turn 90 degrees, shoot three slide lock reload while I'm kneeling, shoot three. I just want to get people to move. I just want mm -hmm. people to move and reload at the same time and to do everything at once. So as the magazine's dropping, you're dropping with it. You're reloading on the, on the way down. You do that and you turn to the right, shoot left to right and turn to the, to the left, shoot right to the left. So I make you shoot, turn in both directions and shoot in both directions. And then turn 180 degrees, um, draw and fire two shots, uh, strong hand only and at 10. And that's uh, part-time, I think for level one is 225. It's not nothing spectacular, but it's reasonable if you're going to shoot A's. Do that in both directions and then um, call it the Hillary drill. It's turn, it's like, a, it's like, it's like um, what do you call it? Um, uh, body stacks. It's two to the body, one to the opposite head. Speed reload, two to the body, one to the opposite head. We got okay. it because it replaced El Prez, and it's not El Prez, and neither is Hillary, so that's why it's called the Hillary drill. Um, <laughs> but do that, and then go to 25 yards, 180 degree turn, three slide lock reload, three on another target, and the the part time for that for level one is 6.5 seconds. So, so you don't really have like, hey, make this test, and then you're super badass. You're like, no, no hey. Here's like, a, a, like some gradation, just give you an idea kind of what's no, what, that type of thing. Exactly. And I just, I ran over it. Sorry, I didn't mean to take a bunch of time going over it. I'm not trying to. No, no, it's good. No, 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 no. Um, it was interesting. I, I don't believe in that. I do not believe in that in, in, this, in practice standards where you're square facing the target with perfect body alignment, where you get to draw your gun and look and all that. I, I don't, it doesn't, to me, I look at the two sides of my shooting experience. One is the operational side and the other is the sports side. And. And there are rarely on a good, I, I don't look at the classifiers where you're standing there facing the target. I look at a good field course and there's some, there's some freaking brutal field courses that, that the guys up at Rio set up because they're good shooters up there. There's a lot of GMs up there that are national level. They set up some hard courses and you are rarely standing there looking at a target at seven yards. Overwhelmingly, you got your hands up like this and you're over here and you're trying to twist your body and you're trying to like, it, it's. So as soon as the timer goes off, you've got to move into position really quickly and you've got to have the good, the proper body position to deliver that shot. Okay. So I, I look at all these, these standards where everybody stands there and they're, and they've got the, like, you probably see me. This is what drives me fucking nuts. This standing or waiting for a timer like this. Okay? 
<laughs> and you're doing this stuff from concealment. And I'm like, who in the ever living fuck stands like that in freaking Home Depot? It's like, hey, bro, what's up? Hey. Like, you're yeah. Realistic. What you're doing is you're giving someone an unrealistic expectation of an operational performance. You're saying you can draw a gun in X amount of time and, and fire a shot that you can't. And it's, I mean, it's, I, I look at that stuff and I'm like, I look at it. I'm kind of a fucking like weird bastardized cross between the two, two worlds. I think um, Matt's probably the same way. It's like, I look at it from an operational side, you're never going to stand like that. You're never going to. So why are you practicing and telling yourself you'll be able to perform like that when you can't? Okay. And overwhelmingly in a good sport match, you won't. And then on the other side, do you really think that if you need to draw a gun under stress, that you're going to be able to do it and consistently in under a second without fucking it up? No. Because it would be, no, no, you're not. Straight up, no, you're not crazy. Yeah. So it's like, so what are you really doing? Now, now we're chasing a timer, which like I'm fucking stream of consciousness on your ass. So hang with me. <laughs> um, you start, you start chasing the timer and this is like a big thing. I got it from a bunch of different freaking professional shooters that I shot with. One of them is right here on the podcast, Ben is stop chasing the timer and chase the process. Just do the yes. process. Time is what the time is. And you got a lot of people looking at the little plastic box and I've been guilty of it every time. Beep, shoot a safe goal. How'd I do? Beep, shoot a safe Like fucking, I'll throw my timer away, put it in my box and just shoot. And then at the end of it, I'll go, hey, how, how fast do I think I did that? And see if my brain is calibrated like my friggin' timer. But when you're constantly living on the timer, now your mental focus is the timer. I'm chasing, uh, you know, three numbers or four numbers, as opposed to I'm chasing the fucking targets trying to drive, drive bullets in the middle. And so when you start doing that for, for trinkets, where's your focus? Are you shooting because you want to get better or are you shooting for trinkets? <laughs> Mike, fantastic. I hate to do this. I got to cut this off. I have to. <laughs> Thing I got to do, but uh, this was a banger of a podcast. It was really good. I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback on it. Uh, thank you for coming on. If people hey, like this and want more of this, they can hear yes. Mike on the training group podcast also. Training group live, that's, it's coming. <laughs> All right, oh, guys. Shit. Thank, That'll thank be the you good so stuff. Much. Even better stuff. Yes. <laughs>